On this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam, Mike, Jeb, and Grant, we recap Sam for getting a big win over rival Belmont on Saturday and then go over other games around the SoCon. Then we will preview Sanford's upcoming week as they're finally going back on the road for the first time in a month after nine straight at home. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs. We also have a website, which you can also find at stateofthebulldogs.com. So with that, let's kick this thing off. I want to imagine that yeah. there ain't Welcome back to another episode. Mike, the substitute teacher, has somehow found its way back to leading the class. It's just us two as Sam is out due to being sick. Uh, what do you, how's your week going so far? Man, it's uh, after an actual win for Sanford basketball. I'm Ooh. feeling good. Good weekend. Tennessee beat NC State. That's a right. Late night game last night. So uh, getting geared up for the holidays. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Tennessee rolling Oklahoma on my end. They're one of four undefeated teams left in the country. We'll see how long that lasts because they play North yeah. Carolina on Wednesday. So real shock. I don't know. North Carolina just lost to Kentucky. So we'll that's, see. that's true. That's true. It's a big rivalry. I know you've uh, not been on with Jeb much, but Jeb's a big UNC fan. Oh, that's right. That's that's right. I remember him talking about that. I forgot about that. That's why he asked in the group if we were going to come up to Charlotte for the game. I forgot about that. So it's the uh, it's the Jordan Classic. Are they doing yeah, that Jumpman? Yeah, Jumpman Classic, Jumpman Classic, and Invitational, whatever they want to call it. And Charlotte, yeah. yeah. There's Florida play somebody I can't remember, and then OU North Carolina play Wednesday. But yeah, it should be fun. That's cool. That's a yeah. cool. It's uh, a cool concept. Yeah. But they started as like the first four Jordan schools, so they try to find a way to get all those schools together to play some games. But but yeah, as you mentioned, can be next. Yeah, maybe they can dig. They, they do have. Have some Jumpman merch. I've seen the coaches sometimes wearing Jumpman quarter zips. I don't know how we how we can get our yeah. hands on some of those, but yeah, that'd be sick. I need to make a phone call. But anyway, as you mentioned, a big Sanford win over Belmont on Saturday. We'll get to that in a little bit, but first we'll start it off with our SoCon recap. Mike, you broke down uh, some big games from the past week of SoCon. What do you got for us? Yeah, certainly an abbreviated episode, just uh, a couple basketball games to talk about, but it uh, won't, won't be that way for long because we've got SoCon play in just about two weeks. But, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I mean, we have to start off with the Furman Tulane game. I mean, that, that was, crazy. was an absolute thriller. Double overtime loss for Furman. Ended up losing 117 to 110. But uh, instant classic. I mean, neck and neck. Uh, really the last grant, I will say, I, thank you for texting me about that game. Cause I did not have it on and then ended up getting it, getting to watch the, the two overtimes. But, uh, JP Pegee hits a go ahead three to go up three with really as, as time expired. Yeah. And, yeah. And expired, yeah. And they put what 0.8 seconds set, uh, back on yeah. the clock. Yeah, I can't remember. I got pulled away to something else. I came back. I was like, oh, wait, but the game's not over. They put point, whatever back on somehow yeah. they found 0.8 to put back on the clock. Oh, yeah. I mean, Furman was cheering like the game was over and then yeah, yeah, yeah. put, you know, less than a second on the clock. Tulane heaves it down the court. 
guy catches it kind of between the three-point line and midcourt and somehow gets fouled on the three-point attempt. Somehow. I still don't know how they call that either. Throws yeah. And we go to overtime. Uh, really tough luck for Furman. I mean, honestly, kind of rewatching it didn't seem like the guy had time to get a shot off with 0.8 yeah. seconds. Maybe the, maybe the officials were just saying he got fouled before the clock hit zeros. Um, but really, yeah. yeah. Cause he yeah. caught it with his back to the basket and then he had to turn around and shoot. And somehow in the yeah. 0.8 seconds, he got fouled in that time. I don't see how you have time to, to catch turn and shoot with 0.8 seconds, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not a clock. I'm not a clock operator. And it wasn't uh, Tulane too, so who knows what was going on. Yeah, exactly. It might have happened there, yeah. Not a neutral site game as I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, dude, overtime though, three after three after three. <laughs> I mean, neither team could miss. It was just what we thought was dagger after dagger after dagger. Yeah. I mean, JP Pegee hit a couple. PJ Smith hit a couple. I think Williams might have had one. And then I don't remember the guy's name from Tulane, but he hit uh, that elbow three. I yeah. mean, what did he have four in in the two overtimes? Maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. I just remember texting you like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, like you said, multiple possessions. You hit a three. We hit a three. It's like no one could miss in the, the second yeah. overtime. Well, both overtimes really, but the second overtime for sure. Yeah, uh, it was pretty crazy. Piggy had a chance to uh, really hit the shot that he hit against Virginia, and then the shot that he hit to end regulation yeah. at the end of the first overtime, and uh, kind of. Too much juice behind it, uh, missed, went to second over time, and then Tulane just pulled away, ended up winning 117 to 110. Yep. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's a good loss for Furman. You know, Tulane is, is currently 114 in net rankings, 101 in Kim Palm. And of course, um, Marcus Foster is still out for Furman. So their top scorer, one of the top yep. scorers in the country right now, averaging about 20 points a game, was not there. Uh, so really to take, to take, Tulane, two double overtime at Tulane. Still a good loss for Furman. Yeah, we mentioned, or I've mentioned before the last couple of shows, just how tough of a non-con Furman has played. They played uh, Belmont, which they beat by 20 plus. And then they lost to UAB, they lost to Princeton, lost to Arkansas, and then, like we said, lost this wild one to Tulane. And Marcus Froster, I think he might be out till like sometime in February, I heard, too. So who knows yeah. what to believe there, but still... Furman having a little bit of adversity that they didn't have last year, especially with this tougher schedule, plus Foster being out. Yeah, I mean, to have to, to, have to replace the two guys uh, from last year was difficult enough. It helps that they had pretty much their entire team coming back, and then P.J. Smith, who's fit in pretty nicely, the transfer out of Lee. Uh, but still, with no Marcus Foster, that's that's tough. Hopefully, for just the sake of competition, he comes back. Uh, yeah. For Stanford's sake, I hope he does not come back, obviously. Um, but we'll see. So even without him, I mean, JPP had 29 points in that loss. And then Alex Williams and PJ Smith each had 23. So the yep. three of them really, uh, controlling the game offensively for Furman the last couple games. And I mean, they shot 42 three pointers in that, uh, and, I mean, absolutely wild. Of course you've got two overtimes to consider, but still yeah. it's a lot of threes. Sanford goes to Furman on the, 24th of January, so still plenty of time for them to figure out life without Foster before before we yeah. get to late January, or possibly how to figure out life with Foster back for that's true. Yeah. A week or so if he if he ends up uh, getting healthy early, yeah, we've dealt with that before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other game that I thought was uh, something we needed to mention on the podcast was the UNC Marshall game. So UNC finally gets a, a big loss to Marshall 
they lost 72-65. to 65. Uh, This was a big one just because UNC obviously has been on a heater pretty much all season. And Marshall's really not a top-quality team. I mean, they're currently 194 in net, 174 in Kimpom. Uh, certainly a winnable game, but big big uh, loss for them to note was no McKeel Brown-Jones, yeah. who's averaging 19.8 points per game. It's their big guy down low, uh, big-time scorer. So I'm not sure what was up with him. Grant, do you know? I, I haven't heard anything on my end. I'm sure we could try to find out, but yeah. Again, as you mentioned, UCG was on a tear. They had won seven in a row, which included BD Arkansas. So I think media's pick to win the SoCon. Yeah, uh, that's right. There's certainly a lot of hype around that team. Uh, nice to see that, that they <laughs> have some chink in the armor. Uh, yeah. But still, I mean, without without their big man to manage to, to pull within seven points uh, at Marshall, pretty impressive. So the the concern there though is is without a guy like Mikhail Brown Jones, they just don't have a ton of depth really. The Langley twins combined for forty six total points uh, of their sixty five. No other player had more than eight. So um, I don't know. We'll have to look into what's up with Mikhail Brown Jones uh, and and bring y'all an update at the next episode. But if he's possibly out for an extended amount of time, not sure if he is or not. Uh, that could be a big loss. Yeah, I don't know about their depth behind them, too. They've got a freshman, Domas Kazunas, a, a freshman, and then another guy who's a sophomore. So I really don't know how much depth they have behind them. But again, they have some some games to figure out, as, as you'll get into here in a second. But they do play Texas on on December 29th. And so that's how they finish non-con schedule. They're at Texas, and then they roll into SoCon play with Furman ETSU at home before they come over to Homewood on January 11th. So we'll see what kind of team shows up then. But yeah, that would be, would be my main question with him out, just what kind of depth they have behind him. Yeah, one stat that I noted from that game was that uh, they only shot seven free throws to Marshall's 21. And uh, Mikhail Brown Jones has shot 64 free throws in the year. So he's a guy that can get to the line. Uh, I'm sure that number of seven would have been greater if he had played in that game and, and possibly could have been a difference maker with, you know, only a seven point loss. Yeah, Sanford had that same issue too with the other team shooting more free throws than them, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. Got a couple good games coming up, but uh, before Christmas, really the last week before. Or I guess two weeks before SoCon play starts, but um, a lot of quality SoCon games to watch this next week heading into the holidays. So Citadel has Notre Dame on Tuesday. Okay. UNCG has High Point on Tuesday as well. If you remember, High Point beat Western Carolina, I believe it was. That's right. Yeah. The year, and they're uh, to our shock last week. High Point's a pretty good team this year. So uh, we'll see what UNCG can do without without their big man if he's still out Tuesday, and also it'll be a good comparison to see how you know how they compete against High Point compared to how Western did. Uh, Western's got Vandy on Tuesday as well, another SoCon SEC game. So we'll see. Vandy's you know, Vandy's a decent team, but obviously they're an SEC team, so yep. they should be able to outmatch Western. Uh, but should be a good game. And then uh, last two, Wednesday and Friday of this week, we got Wofford versus Oklahoma State and then ETSU versus Utah State. Grant, what are your thoughts on those games? Yeah, those three games you talked about versus P5 teams, Citadel playing Notre Dame, Western playing Vandy, and Wofford playing Oklahoma State. Those are three teams that are 
right now near the bottom of their conferences. So it'll be interesting to see which of those games the SoCon can take. I'm more confident in Western, obviously, since they've actually done it. They went to Notre Dame, beat Notre Dame. But I think Western will be the one to watch out for playing Vandy. Even Wofford, too. Oklahoma State's had some tough losses. So, again, those three against the, the P5 teams that are near the bottom of their conference, let's see how many the SoCon can take. But they should be able to take at least one. Who knows about the other two? But I feel confident in them at least getting one of those games this week. Yeah, I agree. I think if I'd have to call one of those out, I'd put money on Western over Vandy. Same. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm high on Western. I think we're all pretty high on Western. They've been, uh, you know, pretty good. Not not as good as I hope, but pretty good uh, in preseason play. So, non conference play. Uh, so we'll see what they can do. Yeah, pretty exciting, exciting week for the SoCon up ahead. Also, Sanford too going going on the road. A couple of games for the first time since they went at VCU, the second game of the year, the second week in November. We'll get to that into a little bit later. But as we've been waiting on. Sanford gets the big win on Saturday over Belmont, 99 to 93. Just a couple of key points from the game. Sanford forced 17 turnovers while only committing 13. That was a big discussion we had after Alabama AM in the game. That was a lot of basically no other way to say it. it's like, oh, it was ugly. Like, let's just move on to the next game where they committed somewhere in the mid to high 20s in turnovers. So it was good to only commit 13. Six Sanford guys finished in double figures. I don't think I've ever seen that before from a team having six different guys finish in double double figures we'll get into who had what and when but also Sanford picked up their ninth win on Saturday which is the longest winning streak since the 1998-1999 team won 13 straight and that team that won 13 straight won their conference and got into the, and got into the NCAA tournament so we'll see if that has any bearing on whether Sanford can continue the streak this week a couple key performers AJ State and McCray led the team again in scoring, had 19 points, five rebounds, four assists. That big player who stepped up in key minutes was Riley Allensbach, the freshman. We've seen him. We've seen flashes from him recently, but he came into the game with a chore, chore, and foul trouble, and he had 15 points, and he, you could see him him running up and down the floor, him being in the right positions to get set up for shots, and he even showed a little bit of his back-to-the-basket game. So it was awesome seeing Riley have have that kind of game in place for chore. And then we'll get into the other guys. Ryland Jones, 13 points, 7 assists. Achor Achor, as I said, was in foul trouble, 14 points, 6 rebounds. Garrett Hicks had his best game as a Sanford player with 10 points. The Alabama A&M freshman, sorry, the Alabama A&M transfer. It's exciting to him for him to have that kind of game. I think he's kind of settling in a little bit more into his new surroundings. So we'll see if, as we keep mentioning, Bubba, as we keep mentioning, Bubba Parham had that same thing last year. We kind of started slow, and then once we got to mid-February, he certainly picked up. It was a big player for the Sanford team. And then Nathan Johnson had 11 points. He was 3 or 4 from 3. It was good to see him finally find his confidence again. That, that, that was something that we saw last year, late in the year. His shot wasn't falling, so the other parts of his game just weren't keeping up. So it was awesome to see him shoot the 3 consistently from there. So that's just a couple key highlights. And uh, Mike, what was your favorite uh, thing from the game on Saturday? Grant, I think we could talk about this game for hours, honestly. I mean, you, you just touched on the most important things, but we could talk about kind of the, the newcomers, if you will, or the, the guys yep. that stepped up, like Johnson and Allen's back and, and Hicks. We could talk about the fact that uh, Jermaine Marshall only had six points and we managed right. to to just have a balanced offense without the, without him. Uh, we talked about the turnovers. I mean, there's just so much positive, certainly still some concerns on everyone's uh, – on everyone's minds, but 
I've, I was really impressed by Allen's back, uh, especially mm-hmm. offensively in the first half. I think all 15 of his points came in the first half or maybe the, the first couple of minutes of the second half. But, uh, you know, he was yeah, really right, six though. for seven. I thought, I thought, you know, he's really always done a good job of getting to the basket. I just don't think in the past his shots have fallen. Uh, I think yeah. the ball just kind of bounced, bounced the wrong way. And it was, uh, things were dropping the right way for him on Saturday. So I liked his aggressiveness. I think he had a couple turnovers. Um, two things, though. I mean, he is a freshman, so he'll he'll figure this stuff out. But he had zero rebounds, which just can't happen in 14 minutes as a, a guy that size. Yeah. Uh, and he still managed to have three fouls in, in only 14 minutes. So, um, you know, I'm not going to focus too much on those two negative points because I think he'll get those things figured out. As yeah continues to grow he's just a true freshman but um huge for him to be able to step up when guys like marshall and chore chore get in foul trouble because both of those guys ended up with four fouls in this game yeah there was a stretch there where like middle of the second half riley and a chore both had three fouls and so as a matter of oh oh shoot do we go to love day who's been on the bench over there or what do we do and you could see i think it was one timeout with under 12 whatever he sent alan spock back out there and he's playing well so might as well just let him keep going yeah, and as you said, but just the way he played, he played awesome. And of course, there's some things to to get better at. But again, it's just a freshman finding his footing, trying to find a way. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was, I was extremely happy. Uh, he was really the only freshman that got meaningful minutes. I mean, Holloway had four minutes, and Wallace had had three. So um, you could tell, you know, this is the most competitive game we've had since VCU and Purdue, and so. Um, I think naturally we were going to expect fewer minutes from some of those bench players, but the yeah. fact that Riley was still able to to carve himself out a, a meaningful role says a lot about what the coaching staff thinks about you know his his role on this team. Yeah, like how you mentioned that those guys that maybe didn't play as many as many minutes. That's something Bucky talked about post game. Like he went down the list of saying Jaden Campbell ten minutes. He was coming back from injuries, so he wasn't the same out there. But he talked about Paul Wayne Walls. Only seven minutes got by in between those two, and like for them not to get their head down, it's just the way the game played out. And they're going to find their footing eventually. It's just a matter of finding the right matchups for both of them, and they'll they'll be big contributors when it comes to get in the middle of SoCon play when you're playing these tough teams on the road. But you mentioned Jermaine Marshall, only six points. He also had 12 rebounds. So just him him finding a way to go make a difference in the game when his shot wasn't falling. You know he's going to bring that energy. You know he's going to bring that toughness to this team. But also him showing that with the 12 rebounds was a big step forward for him not being maybe the same with his hand injury, but still only six points and 12 rebounds was a big spot from him in this type of game, especially. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously he played with the same uh, intensity that he always plays with and, uh, you know, obviously wasn't going to get taken out of that game. So yeah. that's what I love about this team so much is that every player plays multiple roles. And so if their scoring isn't on point, they're still going to find ways to contribute and just yeah. the overall balance of this team. I mean, it's something that Bucky's been t- you know, telling us about and, and, you know, we've been anticipating since the summer, but it's really, I mean, can I ask for more balance than, than what they showed on Saturday against Belmont? Yeah, especially even Dallas Graziani had some it's a big moments, but he had an and one where he basically just like threw it up with his left shoulder and got yeah. hit like in the middle of the paint. I was like, oh, oh, oh my goodness, I was sitting beside somebody. He turned to me, he was like, He can do that. And I said, Well I know. Well, I mean he yeah. did it. He did it. He did it right there. I don't know what to tell you, but 
he had a Quez-esque uh, mid-range jumper at one point. I was like, I don't think he could hit that. So yeah, uh, I got that video too, where he was driving left and basically had to spin. As you said, a very Quez-like jumper. I didn't think about that. Yeah, very Quez jumper fade away. Yeah, and made that mid-range, but absolutely. Uh, I don't want to take over, but do you have any concerns over the team as we head into our more competitive schedule? Concerns? I think they're still... Obviously, you can always improve on the defensive end, right? I mean, you don't want to be giving up 93 points every game because you're not going to score 99 to 100 points. If Sanford just made one free throw at the end, that would have been three straight games with 100 points. So I don't know if that if that had ever happened. But I still think there's always improvement on the defensive end. And they did well in the first half limiting Belmont to only two threes before Kate Tyson kind of took over the second half. I don't know how many threes he had in the second half, but he finished with 31 points and he was basically just like unconscious there in the last few minutes. So I think yeah. that is one thing, especially going into a conference where everybody shoots the three. Well, just trying to, to find a way as we talked about last week to limit that as much as possible as you can going down the stretch as again, a lot of these SOCON teams are, really good at shooting the three. So I think there's always room for improvement on that defensive end. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I agree on the defense. I mean, you, you alluded to this in last week's episode, but we knew this was going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, we knew that both teams could shoot the ball really well, especially from three, and then neither team defends well from three. Yeah. Um, I think we got pretty fortunate that Tyson was sitting out a lot of the first half in foul trouble. So the fact That's that right, he yeah. came back in the second half and still managed to to end up with 31 points, I mean, the dude – I think he hit like three threes in a row from that same spot. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, we just couldn't stop him. Uh, and, and I, it felt like a game that watching it, that Belmont was going to find a way to come back because we were up by 18 at one point. They went on an eight Oh run to, to um, break it down to 10 point or to, yeah, 10 point game. And somehow we just kept firing back. I mean, whether it was a, you know, I think, um, AJ hit a big three at one point. <laughs> Rylan Jones had a had had a nice like layup in transition at one point after they hit a three. So it just felt yeah. like Belmont was really f- coming back aggressively on offense, and we just found a way to keep with them. Um, so, I, but I do think defense is a big concern. I also think uh, limiting the amount of free throws that we give up. I'm trying to pull up the free throw numbers. It was yeah, they had thirty to our to our sixteen which we're typically pretty good at getting to the line, I feel like. Yeah, we've got a lot of guys like AJ who had 19 points, just as we mentioned last week, just will attack the rim at all costs and try to find a way to get to, get to the rim and lay it in. As you mentioned, Ryland had a couple of those too where he was dribbling around a little bit and instead of passing, like found a crease to get in the lane and lay it up. So it was cool to see him. He's also playing with a lot more confidence too. He had seven assists as well. So he's had a lot of high assist games over this nine game stretch, but him chipping in with 13 points, any points you can get from your two guard, basically where Sanford got a lot of production last year. It'll be exciting to see how his, his three point shot will improve, but still seven assists and three rebounds is big from your two guard. Yeah. I think Rylan's been a lot more comfortable the last couple games. Uh, I like that. He's not that he's a pass first type of point guard. Yeah. And I think the coaching staff really, um, uh, trust him in his decision-making. So, uh, you know, he really just has so many tricks up his sleeve, uh, which is so fun to watch. And then when he can come in and score, you know, what would you say, 13 points, like not a ton, yeah. but he, I feel like he hit shots at the right time at big moments to mm-hmm. try yeah. to keep the momentum going. So 
I've been really impressed with his, um, you know, the last couple games from him. Yeah, that's all you want to do when the other team goes on a run. You want to find a way to maybe get a bucket here. Okay, let's calm down. It's okay. They're not going to get out to a 12-0-13 run. Just sail down on offense and find find your way to get open look. I mentioned he's been more improved or more comfortable. He's had two games with nine assists over the stretch, and they had five against Alabama A&M, and had seven against Belmont on Saturday. So just him finding guys in the open shots, and also a little bit of there too is guys making shots obviously you can have a great pass but if you're not making that shots it doesn't matter and aj stayed mccurry his three-pointers really improved i have to go back and look at the numbers but he he along with nathan made the most on the team aj was three for five so him improving offensively has been a big big thing for this team as we mentioned in the preview like okay we had quiz last year he was going to He's going to put up 20 points, and then Logan's going to chip in. Who's going to be that guy late in the shot clock? Like, oh, gosh, we need a bucket. Who's this guy going to be? And I can see AJ and Ryland kind of filling into those roles a little bit more, especially AJ, the way he'll look at the shot clock, see seven to eight seconds left. Like, oh, gosh, I need to find a way to dribble through two guys and get to the rim and find a way to get the foul line at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking on Ryland's assist numbers, I feel like he had, or I think he had, a couple of really nice uh, dishes down low that uh, just weren't handled, and and you know, those yeah, were assists that got get, were given up. Um, so I think his assist numbers against Belmont could have been higher. But then on AJ, you know, we talked about it a lot uh, in past episodes. But last year he was a guy that could put up big numbers offensively, kind of here and there. But the big question was, can he come and do it consistently? And he's yeah. absolutely done that this year. So. Um, I love seeing that from him. He's worked so hard. Obviously, had that injury two years ago that kept mm-hmm. him out from pretty much the whole season. So um, he's he's really settling into his own and becoming a staple. This just the the Sanford brand. Yeah, yeah. Bucky talked about the post game because we talked to Bucky and then AJ too, talking about this is a guy like you mentioned has been through these knee injuries and this day and age of basketball. He didn't give up and leave, go somewhere else. He's like, no, I'm going to stick this out. And I'm going to find a way. Yeah, and he's been averaging 13 points. He had 19 against Belmont. He had 16 at VCU. He had 22 against Louisiana when Jermaine didn't play. So he's stepped up, as we said, in huge moments, and it's been awesome to see his growth. I'll go back and look at how his three point percentage has improved, but still, it's been awesome to see him step up and be one of those guys. Especially on Saturday when Jermaine wasn't himself, only with six points, who's over four from the three point line. Yeah, I'm just looking at his numbers. Um, I don't know about throughout this season, but the last three seasons at Sanford, he's averaged right at 28%, and he's shooting 43% from three right now. Yeah, that's crazy. So like you said, definitely a big pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we talked about what we want to see this team improve. What's I'm sure we've touched on it a little bit here, but what have you liked from this team so far over this nine-game stretch the most? Just the balance for me. it's the 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 cynic in me like kind of gets nervous offensively, not knowing where our next shot's going to come from. Yeah, and I feel like yep. maybe that's because the last two years I always knew it was going to come from Quez or Logan or something like that. Uh, but watching this game when Belmont was making runs and they were hitting threes and and seemed like they were coming back, we just kept finding ways to answer, and it was a different guy every possession, and that's just really exciting basketball so the balance that Bucky's been talking about all offseason has really come to fruition and that's been my favorite thing about this team so far yeah I like that too just going in 
going into some of the numbers, uh, in assists per field goals made, Sanford is 13th in the country right now, as opposed to being in like the 200s, whatever, last year being more iso ball, as, as Bucky's mentioned before in post games. But uh, ninth in the country at three point percentage at 40%, top 100 in, in adjusted efficiency on offense. And this is something that you probably see from watching the game, but they're third in the country in adjusted tempo. They play the third fastest pace in the entire country. So when you when you play that fast, you got to be able to score and find a way to limit the other team. They're only behind Kennesaw State and UNBC right now. Tulane, who we touched on earlier, is in fourth. So just how fast they play, you can always get out of whack and maybe the offense can't find its footing. But when you're playing that fast and you're scoring this well, it's just a awesome combination of what you can see but this team could possibly be once we get into SoCon play, play tougher opponents. Yeah, I mean the Belmont. This Belmont game was big because we've had a really, really just a soft schedule. Like you, like you said before yeah. we started recording, what are we like three fifty eight in the country in strength of schedule right now? Yeah, something like that. Three hundred sixty two yeah. teams. So the fact that with Louisiana too, but now Belmont, the fact that we can continue the success against. Uh, equal levels of competition I hope can continue into SOCON play um, it's just going to be so different because the top teams in the SOCON all have kind of their go-to guys like we talked about you know the uh, Mikhail Brown Jones and Langley Twins or you know Foster and Piggy from Furman yeah. uh, Woolbright and Claude uh, at, at Western and Bell or Sanford just built very differently in, the, in that they're so mm-hmm. balanced. So um, we might not have the most talented team in the SoCon, but yeah. we probably have one of the most balanced teams, and that's a recipe for winning games that are hard to hard to win. So we're going to sneak away with some wins that maybe we shouldn't have because of that. Yeah, exactly. You talk about the multiple guys we have. Sanford is third and. They're in the country in bench minutes right now. And that's something if you've been around here locally, Birmingham, watching Bucky's teams in Mountain Brook, they played nine to 12 guys, basically. They had one at their starting five. They would play two minutes, and the next five would come in and find a way to play that same consistency. So he's kind of bringing this over to Stanford on a different level. As Stanford can play up can play up to 10 guys, basically the same thing you play in high school. And so just a matter of finding a way to get everybody involved. And as we... As we talked about earlier, the freshmen only playing like eight minutes combined other than Riley. It's just a matter of time before those guys need to step up, whether it's Ryland in foul trouble with two fouls, whether it's Dallas getting in foul trouble early when you're on a big on a big road tilt at Furman or Western Carolina or one of these teams, and you got to find a way to have one of these one of these freshmen step up. And so that's been awesome to see. It's just a matter of we see the talent in these freshmen, in these guys, and they didn't play as many minutes as you thought they would on Saturday, but that's only going to end continued to improve and speaking of improvement we talked to or i asked bucky post game the same thing about what he's seen over the last nine games from this team and that's what he talked about was the improvement of this group just improvement you know something you can get people can get too high too low the coach i was talking to today he asked me for advice and i said man know what you believe in how you how you like to play and stick with it just stay with it because so many coaches, it's like you go, you lose a game, you don't play well. It's like all of a sudden, oh, we need to be running the triangle in two, or you know, we need to run a box in one, or we need to run the flex offense. It's like, no, we're gonna, they need to do what we do and just get a lot better as we go. And that's one thing I will say this, even though I've been coaching here four years, probably four years, and I've coached since I was 20 years old. And that's the one takeaway I will say with teams is that 
stick with what you do, just keep getting better at it, and that's where the, you'll see the good teams improve throughout, throughout the year because they have an identity, right? When it's changing every game, you never have an identity. And I know this, our players know what we are. I know what we are, fans know what we are, and um, that's how we're always going to be, and that's how we're going to play. And um, it's fun to play where you know you got players that you're going to give them the freedom to attack on offense and defense. So, yeah, Bucky just talked about everything that we talked about, basically. The guys, the Josh Hallways, the Lucas Walls, they're going to find their minutes eventually. But, it's, again, it's just the team improving over the course of these nine games, trying to find a way to play more as a team as we talked about how well they share the basketball. So that's something that he's focused on, especially, too, getting into conference play, just finding the right balance of guys can play with this certain group of guys, for sure. Yeah, so much upside for the future. Uh, really looking forward to even this season, just how you know Allen's back now, but Walls and Holloway can can find a way to you know fit into this uh, team when we need them most and so come play. Mm-hmm. Really exciting because they've shown so, shown so many flashes of of just unreal talent so far for yeah, for exactly. two freshmen. Even Bucky said that too. Post-game. He's like, Josh Holloway, he's going to dominate this league in a year or two. So it's just a matter of getting them comfortable. And he, it's cool to see how high he is on Holloway becoming into this player who knows a couple years down the line. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also, before, before we move on, it was a great, great atmosphere of the game. A lot of people, the uh, local, I want to shout out the uh, Ransom Student Ministry, who's who's got a couple programs around Sanford and I think they're at the UAB game today and they were the ones making all the noise behind the basket so they kind of brought they kind of filled the void of the students which what turned out to be a great atmosphere it's obviously something something Sanford's been missing over most of this conference or over most of this nine game stretch the students not being there for sure yeah how was the baby race who ended up winning that that was is it competitive uh, it was it depends on which baby left the starting point <laughs> because shout out to Bubba Parham, former Sanford guard. He and his, he and his wife were there with their baby and his name was baby Juju. And he was the favorite coming in. Cause obviously his dad's Bubba and he never left the starting point because they said go. And he immediately just started crying and started crawling backwards to Bubba who was behind them. So he, he was, he was not ready for the moment as, as I said, but yeah. All right, before we move on to, or anything else you want to add from the game uh, Saturday? No, just all-around great win. Same. All right, so before we move on and preview this week's game, let's talk about Whammy real quick. If you're a listener to the pod, you know Sammy's, you know Sanford Sports gets us excited. But before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pot of Whammy coffee. It's roasted locally in Birmingham, and they always have an accredited always have an incredible assortment of beans from around the world. I also love that they throw in a little mystery toy in every bag of beans. For the perfect start to your morning, you can pair our podcast with a cup of Whammy. Just, hand to, just head to whammycoffee.com and order today. All right, so as we mentioned at the top, Sanford is actually going back on the road. A road game? I haven't had no idea we still did those. I didn't think we had. Do we have a team bus? That's, that's a good question. Bel- I don't know. Belmont had their own buses, so they were able to drive back sad on their own belmont buses but um one thing i did want to mention about belmont is i like that they branded it like battle for i-65 yeah that's good. that would just be a great annual matchup if we could yeah, that's that. yeah yeah hopefully belmont doesn't back out of a game next year so yeah. they finally we'll lost see, one. yeah exactly yeah 
So as we mentioned, Stanford going on the road. By the time we're recording Sunday night, and by the time this is out on Wednesday, this game will be played, will already be played. But on Tuesday, the 19th, we traveled to Valpo. We traveled to Valparaiso for those that... <laughs> For those that just want to say Valparaiso, just go to Valpo. And on Thursday, the 21st, we played Texas Southern also on the road. So again, they played two on the road, nine at home, now going back for two on the road. Just a little breakdown to both those teams. Valpo is four and seven. Usually Valpo is one of those good mid-major teams like Belmont. It's always in and always going to find a way. It's certain years to get the tournament. Right now, they're four and four and seven right now. Ken Palm, 145th. They have played some tough games as they lost to Furman by nine. They lost to Virginia Tech by 21. Then I don't know if this was a tough game. Well, they just beat a Northwestern, so we'll give it to them. But they lost to Chicago State by one. That's a tough game. Yeah, it is. Especially when, what's his name, is dropping 30 on Northwestern. I'm not going to say his name, but he's dropping 30 on Northwestern. So. Well, he also dropped 28 on Valpo. So Okay, there we go, yeah. Yep. He who must not be named. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what his name. His name is okay. We'll move on. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> see. There's another bit. I'm just gonna keep going and not saying the name. <laughs> and then on Thursday, Sanford travels to Texas Southern. But Texas Southern. Before we started recording, was 0 and 9, but now they're 1 and 9 because they beat Howard this afternoon over on ESPNU by one, 79 to 78 to pick up with their first win. And they have played a tough schedule as they have losses to New Mexico, Arizona State, Creighton, and the same loss as us. They lost to Purdue as well. And Virginia. And Virginia, that's right. Yeah. Where they only put up 33 points. And they put up 67 on Purdue, and we did not. So, so we'll, <laughs> Yeah, we'll they let Purdue score 99. That's true. We only, gave, only let them score 98, so... <laughs> Yeah, there we go. It's it's not it's 99. Win. It's the little wins. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of these games uh, are wins for us. Probably not as easy a win as the other team's records show right now because yeah. they've had somewhat tough uh, schedules so far, but I don't think that either of these should be – we should not lose either of these games. Yeah. It's just a matter of this team, as we mentioned, going back on the road for the first time since November 10th. So it's just we don't – who knows what team will show up. And it's kind of exciting to see this team playing new surroundings, and we'll see when they're not going to the game. Oh, gosh, we got to play number one to number one Purdue. Oh, gosh, we got to play VSU. We can still have that feeling, but you can still walk in more confidence. Okay, these teams are not going to be at that level, but they're still going to be hard games because it's still hard to win on the road in college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And they could be uh, trap games, if you will, just given yeah. it. I think there was a lot of anticipation around that Belmont game. And mm-hmm. to have, you know, two more games, I think it's two more games or three more games before SoCon play starts and to, yeah, like two. Said, to be on the road, there's just kind of a lot of, a lot, kind of a lot going on there. So you never know how the team's going to respond, if they can stay focused. It's around Christmas time. I'm sure the guys are tired, they've been playing hard. Yeah. They want to see their families just kind of a, could be a recipe for disaster uh, if they don't approach these games the right with the right mindset. Yeah, especially as this was a, a key point earlier in the year, Texas Southern was a team that won their conference last year. So Sanford's had a lot of those on this. Well, there haven't been the same teams this year. Still in the previous years, like Merrimack, 
and then I believe Louisiana also was a team that won their conference. Still, you got to go on the road on Thursday, which means you're probably not. I would assume you're not coming home after the Valpo game. You just, I guess, maybe. Well, it's a long flight. Who knows? But, but I don't know if you would come back home for a day and then literally leave the next day. So you're probably just going straight to Texas Southern. So we'll just see how the guys react. Is there anything you're looking forward to in seeing what kind of play at this team at home? See if that can translate to on the road. What's something that you're looking forward to seeing? The shooting. Because we've been shooting lights out at home. Uh, we did not shoot well against Purdue. Obviously, the first two games of the year, which can't really count, but mm-hmm. did not shoot well at Purdue, did not shoot well in the second half against VCU. Um, so I just want to see if we can continue shooting the ball well and uh, maintain that balance on the road. Yeah, it also helps, too, that looking at each team's Ken Palm page, Valpo is 317th in the country in three-point percentage on offense. And Texas Southern is a Texas Southern's at 315 too. So you're not playing teams that can shoot the ball well, but it's still just finding ways, as we mentioned off the top and last week, just how well they can run teams off the three-point line. Because if Sanford keeps shooting like this, they're obviously not going to lose many games. I don't know if you're going to keep scoring 100 points because you scored 128 against LaGrange and one, 118 against A&M, and then 99 against Belmont. I don't know if you're going to see team, this team keep scoring 100 points. But yeah, as you mentioned, that is something they hadn't thought about to see how well or if the shooting, how well they did over the course of these nine games, if that can translate to playing on the road. And it helps that these schools don't have their students as well. I don't know about their student attendance to games, but still it's just another factor you don't have to worry about. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. I would love to obviously finish the non-conference play. Uh, with these two wins, just heading into conference play with good vibes, but yeah. it's just certainly, uh, I'm sure a tough time for players to be on the road, just given the yeah, holidays exactly. and whatnot. Yeah. And they just finished exams, so I'm sure they're exhausted. Yeah. The end, uh, some times on the game. Sanford plays Valpo at one o'clock, so that's it's kind of a cool, kind of cool, cool time slot. I don't know how many teams are actually going to be playing at that time, so that might be a standalone game for all the mid-majors to watch. And then Thursday at Texas Southern, you play at 6 o'clock. So it's just some things to look out for and keep reminders of. So, so yeah, we'll just see how how this team responds if they can, and if they can get to that 13-game win streak mark like the 98 team did. So, Looks like the Texas Southern game is not going to be on ESPN+, Plus. if I'm reading that correctly. Oh, yeah, it looks like they... They must have a YouTube page they might stream it on. Bummer. If we look at the schedule right, yeah. So, But Valpo will be on ESPN Plus if yep. you're trying to watch that during your uh, during your lunch. Yeah, I'll just yeah, i be at my desk with my phone out. Yep. I don't know, don't know who's going to... Perks for yeah. working from home. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or actually, I'll be in my office for this time, but still. <laughs> still, if you're working from home, it's okay if you can pull the game up on, on your second screen, as I probably will on my other my other monitor so so yeah just exciting to see what as we keep saying what kind of team shows up on the road as they haven't gone on the road since november 10th so we'll just especially after last year's december where they went through that stretch of losing seven in a row let's just see if they can if they can respond by winning these road games that they didn't get that opportunity last year 
Yeah, I'm hoping we're not saving a big losing streak for SoCon play because we have had big losing streaks the last two years under Bucky. That's right. Uh, our last three years under Bucky. But this team, I just think, is built differently. I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it's different, and I think it's less prone to long losing streaks because of it. Yeah, especially in previous years, as we mentioned, you're relying on one or two guys due to the bulk of the scoring. Like if, like if that one guy doesn't bring it specifically, you're kind of screwed, and you don't know how the, how the team will react if he's not making the shots. Mm-hmm. If he's yep. not making the shots, you normally did so. Yeah, because Sanford last year lost seven in a row from November 25th to December 21st of that Belmont game. So, and then the year before. The longest streak was a four-game uh, losing streak. That was actually in SoCon play. So we'll just knock on wood and see. Man, hopefully like, a streak like that didn't pop up. But <laughs> so. uh, Yeah, the, the losing streak ended with Belmont, right? So I hope it's not the other way around. Oh, yeah. Lose to Belmont, we start winning. We beat Belmont, we start losing. Yeah. Shouldn't have said that out loud. But... Yeah, I was just about to say, I can't believe you brought, I can't believe you brought that up. I wouldn't have said that, but... <laughs> No, I've said plenty of dumb stuff. So, so I think <laughs> yeah. I think you all know. <laughs> but no, uh, so yeah, let's just see. Oh, let's just see what happens. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome to watch and be kind of annoying that I won't be able to actually go to a game as I've as I've done eight to nine straight times. So, yeah, nice break for you too. I'm also running out of questions to ask Bucky, so I'm kind of glad that we can <laughs> kind of get a little bit of a break because maybe it's coming up with nine questions plus. I mean, it's just one question. Grant, it's not that hard, but still, come up with trying to find yeah. nine different ways. You kind of need a. It's kind of good for me because, like you said, I need a break from asking him questions. So he probably needs a break from you too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, y'all get a week off. You only get to see me once a week. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, moving on to the FCS playoffs. I know Sam would love this because Sam loves talking about the FCS playoffs. So it's kind of upsetting that he's he's not here to kind of walk us through it, but. But going through the semi games, one semifinal wasn't close, and the other one was um, not close. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, Montana with the thirty-one twenty-nine win over North Dakota State. And then the game that was not close, South Dakota State. I think it was like, well, the final score was fifty-nine to nothing over Albany. I think it was like twenty-one zero in like the first like twelve minutes or whatever, something like that. I don't remember what was what was was Albany the five seed. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. That beat Idaho, maybe I can't remember. Um, that's really embarrassing though for the semifinals. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just remember turning on the Albany game. It's like, oh no, there's a touchdown. Oh no, there's a pick six. Oh no, there's a punt return for a touchdown. Whoop! Time to time to turn this one off. This one's over. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, that sets up a national title game between number one, South Dakota State, and number two, Montana, down in Frisco, Texas, in a couple weeks. So They put I up think. 556 yards of total offense. <laughs> and how much did Albany put up? Only Well, they still put up 298. They had four okay. turnovers. Yeah, yeah, they had a couple of bad picks. Yeah, they actually won the uh, time of possession. Okay, which yeah. probably not shocking. I'm sure that's SD, true. Yeah, uh, state scored quick and often. Yeah, only had 66 yards rushing. Wild. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it obviously looked very, very cold because obviously South Dakota at night is not the warmest place in the world. So, <laughs> so at least both at least both North teams get to go down to Texas and January, of course, Texas weather, who knows, it's all over the place, but still, it's not South Dakota weather, that's for sure. So also sticking with football, no Sanford portal movement this week, although I have seen some some tweets from a couple of coaching staff, some coaches on the staff saying that they maybe got some commitments this weekend. So commitments plural, which is always fun to see. So who knows? I guess hopefully we'll find out this week what those are, but still pretty exciting. Did we talk about Cortland being in the portal? Did we talk about that last week? Oh no, I don't think we did. That was a late that was a late addition. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Sanford D B Cortland Marsh. I forgot he's not on Twitter, so I, I couldn't see, but he he was in the portal and he visited Memphis last week, I believe, which from what I heard might be the landing spot for him. So Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Great yeah, yeah. against Auburn. Hope he remembered. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Like the picture on his bio page at Sanford's pretty sick. It's him staring down an Auburn receivers on the ground. It's, it's a pretty sick picture, not gonna lie. Yeah. But <laughs> still it's just another guy in that in the defensive back room that Sanford has to replace, a group that wasn't the same as it was in twenty twenty two. Yeah. That's that's tough. Yeah. But it's still really early in the process. Still a ton of names out there. So yeah, for sure, uh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, obviously we'll keep uh, everybody posted. I mean, Grant, you're doing a great job keeping up that uh, tracker on the website. Yeah, the tracker, so, yeah. Yeah. And they've been handing out offers to pretty much every person in the portal, basically. Like, I see, like, like 10 to 12 tweets a day. I just received an offer from Sanford. I just got an offer from Sanford, so. Why not? Cast a wide net. Yeah. Speaking of football, I believe we'll have an interview next week with the current Sanford football player. So, so just a quick tease for anybody who'll be, who'll be listening over the Christmas break. So, so moving on to uh, State of the Bulldogs, the women's basketball team played two games this week. They beat Lagrange on Wednesday, seventy-six to fifty, and then they went to Little Rock and played Arkansas and lost by fourteen, sixty-eight to fifty-four. So, and, and they hung around like they did in the. In the Bama game to start, they hung around a little bit in the Arkansas game before Arkansas just showed their SEC prowess. But still, a, a good performance, not not losing by a whole bunch, but keeping it close and finding a way to get key experience before they get into conference play in a couple of weeks. But yeah, so they're currently sitting at seven and four. Uh, they've had a tough tough schedule. I mean, they've still got Kentucky. Uh, coming oh, up, so a yeah. lot of a lot of SEC teams, which is great experience. Yeah, for sure. Would be cool if the men could actually get get some SEC teams to schedule them, but you know, we did play. We played Kentucky back maybe when I was a freshman, or like right, maybe I was like a senior in high school. But yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah, that was when uh, uh, Paget, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a big connection there. Yeah, Scott Patrick, going back. Um, yeah. Hey, that's part. That's part of why we got the game. Just him, him going back home as a head coach during that time. But yeah. And uh, going back to the women, they play at home the same time as men do on the road, but they play at home North Alabama on Tuesday at one o'clock. So. 
so go out and take a lunch break as the <laughs> as the one game Stanford would have at home again after the men have played so many games at home too. So it'll be a very unproductive lunch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, if you're in Birmingham, you can have one screen on your phone and then go to the women's game where you can do vice versa. So <laughs> stay at home and have have two screens and not work at all. So it's just a it's just a preference on your end, whatever you want. So and that is their only game this week before they go to Eastern Kentucky on the 29th and then Kentucky on the 31st. So, so hopefully they pick up one more win and then see what kind of quote experience you can gain playing from Kentucky on New Year's Eve. But That's tough. Ringing the New yeah. Year with the, the big upset. Yeah, right. There's a lot of games for some reason on that, on that New Year's Eve. I thought that was kind of a weird time for a lot of teams to actually play games, but yeah, that's unusual, especially because New Year's Eve is a Sunday. So yeah, um, that's odd. Yeah, I can't remember. How... I'm sure there's top twenty five teams on the men's side playing on on that thirty first for some reason, or that might be their first uh, conference game for some. So yeah, especially with uh, bowl games and whatnot. Oh, oh yeah, might be NFL games that night. Yeah, and then you can't play on Monday because the semifinals and right. CFP semifinals on Monday, so that makes sense. So, so we'll continue as we end each episode with a senior spotlight. We've shouted out a track and field player. We've shouted out a basketball player. I wanted to go back to Sanford soccer. Shout out senior forward Kylie Gaza. She's been a mainstay on this team for many years. She was on multiple also con teams, play a lot of big men for Sanford, and was on the United Soccer Coaches first team all Southeast region in 2022 so a player who's who's definitely going to be missed along with along with those i can't even remember there's so many seniors from last year's team that they're going to be moving on so so just want to shout out her for all for all of her accomplishments while helping sanford win so many conference tournaments and regular seasons in a row so yeah she's definitely been a huge part of that program and uh just Incredible player, incredible defense. Oh yeah, big leg. Yeah, but she was hurt in the middle of the year too. I think I remember that she mm-hmm. came, she came back and played. So again, yeah. it's always cool to cool to shout out one of those players that we don't get to talk about as much on here when we're so focused on men's basketball and whatnot. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's gonna. Re- it's going to about wrap it up. Substitute teacher is finally done for another week before Sam comes back for our interview next week. Uh, Mike, anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, like Grant said, we hope to have a fun interview coming y'all's way soon with a current Sanford football player. Other than that, uh, I'm not sure next time that, that uh, you'll hear from us. We've got the holidays coming up, but that's right. Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Hopefully everybody yep, enjoys time with family and friends and can get, uh, a little bit of a break. Yeah, exactly. Got all your Christmas shopping done before we get out here? Man, I went out yesterday and today and got some stuff done. There we go. I'm 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 like I'm the kind of guy that I get excited to go shopping and then uh-huh. five minutes into the first store I'm like uh, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> so I didn't make it long. Yeah, see, that's why I do most of mine online because I don't want to I don't want to be that person to yeah, go and Amazon. get lost and then yeah, yeah, Amazon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially down here in Birmingham with a uh, Summit 280 traffic, it's just a bear to <laughs> tons yeah. and tons of people to get through. But 
Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, anyway, we'll be back next week for, again, like you said, that Sanford football interview and uh, Sanford men's basketball, two more games this week. So it should be fun. So oh, wow. with that, the st- yeah, there we go. See, so, yeah, there we go. So the state of the Bulldogs, there we go, is out. See you all next time. Hey, you already know, you know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.